Hello and welcome to Never Seen It, a podcast where we watch movies we've never seen and then talk about them. I'm one of your hosts, Betsy, and with me as always is Trent. Hi, I'm Trent. You're my husband. Yep, you're my wife. Fact. So we're moving away from the smutty movies. Far, far away. Far away to the next logical transition to the 1989 Americana classic, Field of Dreams. We couldn't pick a more wholesome movie, Betsy. (laughs) From where we just came from, anything (laughs) would be wholesome. Yeah. Uh, So yes, I have seen this movie, but Trent, you have not. I never have, and I don't know why. Like it's don't have a reason. It's not like I like hate baseball or hate Kevin Costner or Iowa or Iowa (laughs) or corn (laughs) or whatever. Um, I'm from this part of the country Uh and always have been. So I don't know why my family never watched this movie. Interesting. Okay. That's not to say that, you know, I've ever had anything against it, but I've never had occasion to just sit down and watch Field of Dreams. Fair enough. So, so this is obviously a pretty iconic movie yeah. after 30 years. Sure. A lot of people love this movie. Dads in particular love oh, this movie. Yeah. We're watching another dad movie. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's dad loves Field of Dreams, especially if you're from the Midwest. Sure. Uh, especially if you love baseball. Mm-hmm. So apart from those things, what do you know about this movie? So I know quite a few people who are in it. Okay. But like the beats of the plot, I don't have a clue. So who do you know who's in it? So uh, we already mentioned Kevin Costner. Yes. Uh, Ray Liotta. Yes. James Earl Jones. Yes. That's about it. I think I had something else, but that that's, that's all I could remember. I feel like... I haven't watched this in a while, but I think those are all the names that you are going to know. Sure. There might be some other faces you've seen in things, but right. probably Right, it's 89. Gonna... So, and it's... In, in 89, you're going to have maybe some actors that are maybe a little young that I might recognize. But maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Kevin Costner, as an actor, is not a person that I have a whole lot of, a whole lot of history with. Okay. The movies I've seen from Kevin Costner. Like, we could do an entire Costner-a-thon because oh, I've, I've, seen very, I've seen very few. I've seen... My, my favorite one is 13 Days. By okay. far is my is my favorite Kevin Costner movie. Mm-hmm. It's about uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yep. And he is the chief of staff of Kennedy, I believe. Yeah. And yeah, he's just great in that movie. He has a bad Boston accent, um, <laughs> but that's about it. Right. Um, what else? Well, there's one thing that people like to say about Kevin Costner. It's that he does two things well, and that's baseball movies and westerns. So I know you've watched Hatfields and McCoys. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, so we watched that. I've seen um, Dances with Wolves. Okay. But I haven't seen that since it was like almost new. Yeah, you don't really remember it. Right, and the reason why I saw that is, hey, it was was filmed mainly where we live. Right. Kevin Costner, since Dances with Wolves, has spent a great deal of time in the state of South Dakota. Right, right. (laughs) Uh, if, If you're unaware... Uh, out in Deadwood, South Dakota, the place that the TV show was based off of, by the way, uh, he has his own, like, casino out there. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he owns a lot of land here. Yeah, he is a frequent Black Hills yeah. visitor. Yeah. But, okay, going back to this movie. Yeah. Do you know any quotes? I, I mean, I know the one. If you build it, they will come. Okay. And I believe, is that not until, like, the end of the movie? 
don't or is know, that, Trent, is it? Or is that at the... That sounds like something that should be at the beginning. Okay. But I don't know. Um, do you know how it has this to like, do with is, baseball? Is this like, like Depression-era no. America? No. Is it? Is it like present day? For 1989. I'll give you that. Okay. Yes, it's present okay, day. Okay, okay, okay. Um, but like, don't they bring back like, like a... I think, was it Ray Liotta plays Shoeless Joe Jackson? I think so. Yeah. Maybe. And he wasn't from that era, was he? I I don't I honestly don't know. I'm I'm not up on my baseball history. Okay. Uh like old players. I know the names, but I don't know like what era they played in, what teams they played for, what so, positions they played. So what you're telling me is you know an alarming sm- alarmingly small amount about Field of Dreams. Yeah. Well, all right then. Yeah. So I'm going to stop there. All right. And we're going to go watch this and your questions will be answered. And we're going to watch Field of Dreams and be right back. So, Trent, Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams. What did you think? That was enjoyable. You liked it? I did, yeah. I can see why this is very much a Americana classic. Um, it's a whole lot of romanticizing baseball. Oh, yes. The this is, whole This movie. whole movie is a romance, but the romantic uh-huh. love interest is baseball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Sometimes to the point... Of almost going too far, but also if you like baseball or have ever been to a baseball game or uh-huh. have heard of baseball sure. and can buy into baseball. Yeah. Like I felt myself, like I just have this like little smile on my face. Yeah. Thinking about when I was a kid and going to baseball games mm-hmm. and watching baseball with my dad and mm-hmm. throwing the ball around with my brothers. And, and you've got a lot more uh, connection to baseball than I do. Yeah. And like you used to work at a ballpark, our, our local ballpark here. I did. You, know, you grew up with four brothers. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if they actually played any, but I mean, like as kids, yeah, yeah, little you're league. gonna you're gonna play a little bit. Like my only connection to baseball was, you know, during gym gym class. I think in middle school, probably middle school, there was like I was I've never been any kind of athlete. At all. Mm-hmm. I never played any kind of sports. I wasn't involved in anything. I was one of those kids. Right. But it was some gym class. We were out playing baseball. And I remember like going up to bat and like nobody's giving me any kind of you know, encouragement or anything like that. But I I got up to bat and I smoked it. <laughs> like, like it would have been a home run for the type of field that we were on. Yeah. And, like, I could hear, like, other kids in the background, like, basically saying holy shit without saying <laughs> holy shit. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I belted that thing. Yeah. And 
Yeah. That was your crowning athletic <laughs> that was moment. My one my one accomplishment in the sport, <laughs> if you want to call it that. But that's the thing, you remember it. I do. Yeah, I and do. You're proud of that little moment that you had. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's just kind of how people are about baseball. It is an American sport. It has yeah. translated to other countries. But, you know, like American football hasn't sure. taken on anywhere else in the world. Baseball right. has. Right. In, uh, baseball has been adopted in the Caribbean islands. Yes. Japan. Very big in Japan. And I think, does Germany play baseball? I don't... I don't know. I don't know if any Europeans are into baseball. But, yeah, it is, it is the American sport. Yeah. And this is, as American a place, it's... Iowa. Yeah, yeah. Middle of the country, Iowa. Iowa City, yeah. of all things. Iowa City is in, I believe, the north uh, northeastern yes, corner. Yes, this is very eastern Iowa. Mm-hmm. And yeah. this is a real place yeah. that is still there. Yes. So for the listeners who were paying attention, at the beginning of the summer, mm-hmm. they actually had a Major League Baseball game. This year. This year. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this field. Yeah. And have you watched the clip from that? Track? I haven't. I haven't. No, I'm I, I want re- to. I'm going to request now that you've seen this movie yeah. that after we finish here, you go watch it because I think it will, it will hit you in the feels. You can't help yourself. I was paying attention to when it happened. I didn't see any kind of clips or shots or anything of it, uh-huh. but the people who like this movie and the people who like baseball loved it. Yes. Because it was one of these like spontaneous spur of the moment things that wasn't, I don't think people knew it was going to happen. I don't think they knew Kevin Costner would be there. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, that's news to me too. (laughs) Yes, Kevin Costner is there. There's like a whole opening sequence for the game. I will have to go and watch this. And if if you liked this movie, yeah, you're going to like this. (laughs) And then they just went about playing playing baseball. Yeah, they just played the game. Yeah. You know. But yeah, ML, we, MLB players just showing up in the middle of nowhere, Iowa, right, to play so, a game. So I kind of cut you off in the intro because clearly you had no idea what we were about to watch. Sure. Were you very surprised by what this ended up being? No, because I know that the building was going to be a ball field. Mm-hmm. I knew he was going. I knew he was a farmer of some kind. And it was going to be in the, I, I mentioned corn in the beginning. Yep. I knew it was going to be like them going into the cornfield. I was aware of that. Um, but the mixing of contemporary and historical figures. I mean, Shoeless Joe Jackson, I knew was a historical baseball player. Yes. Certainly not contemporary to 1989. No. So I didn't know what role James Earl Jones was going to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew somehow he was going to be going into the corn or coming out of the corn. Yep. Um... I didn't know there was going to be a mystery. I mean, there's kind you know, of James a mystery. James Earl Jones and Kevin Costner are the most unlikely mystery hunters of all time. There's <laughs> got to be more to this story. We're missing something. You know, going to some shitty motel. It's the 1989 version of podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> Those two. It's the real crime. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Except they're looking for the sweet doctor from small town Minnesota and right. trying to understand why he's That's important. Burt Lancaster, by the way. Yes. Yeah. I know. I know. All right. All right. You, yes. 
Burton Lancaster is one of those actors, I know the name. And, Me too. And I know that for him to be in this movie was a big deal for the time mm -hmm. because, you know, he was a huge star. Yeah. He won Academy Awards in the 1950s, 60s, you know? Mm. He was a big deal. Okay. And this was kind of the twilight of his career. Very much so. so Dude looked old. Yes. And he died not long after this. He died within a few years of making this movie. I'm sure. I don't know a lot about Burt Lancaster, but I know it was a big deal he was in here. Okay. So anyway, so let's just go to the beginning. So we kind of have this everyman character. Yeah. So He, he Ray, starts off, you know, with his his narration saying, you know, back when I was a kid and blah, blah, blah. And, and baseball talking about and his my, dad. My dad, my, my pappy, you know, that whole I thing. I like that you just made him Southern. <laughs> my pappy. He was kind of all over the place, though. He said his father... Um, his father was born in North Dakota. Yeah, father was born in North Dakota. Went to the World War. Yep, went to war, moved back to Chicago, yep. and started uh, liking baseball. He, he was a, a White Sox fan. Yeah, so he was there during the era that the White Sox were really, really the team. And they right. won the World Series. And they touch on mm -hmm. the, the Black Sox scandal. Yeah, the, the controversy. Do you know about that? I've Are heard you, of it. I've heard, heard of it. it, yes. So this wasn't like... They did explain it pretty yeah, well throughout yeah, this. I, I think so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, basically, he loved the White Sox. Mm-hmm. And it broke his heart when they lost. Mm -hmm. And then he found out that they, they had thrown it. the game. Yeah. And it broke his heart again. Mm -hmm. Then his dad moved to New York. And they met uh, his mom. He mm -hmm. met his mom. They had him. And his mom died. Yeah. So it was basically just the two of them. Yep. In the 50s and the 60s. And they didn't really get along. Mm -hmm. And he's Well, they did up to in, a point. Yeah. Like, you know... All kids rebel when they're teenagers. Right. It's just going to happen. Well, yeah. Um, but Especially in the 60s. Right. Exactly. And the thing I didn't know that there was going to be some kind of connection to, you know, this connection to the 60s. Yeah. But so th so this guy just continues on with his, his narration of his life. You know, he goes off to Berkeley. Yeah. In the late 60s mm -hmm. during all the protests and Summer of Love and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And he goes to Berkeley. That's like epicenter of that shit. Yes. So he comes back as this hippie. And before he even leaves, he just, he tells off his old man. Yeah. Essentially saying. Moves, yeah, tells him, tells him off and moves across the country. Yeah. And, and becomes something completely different. I don't want to be you. I don't want your life. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think I a lot of people. I I think a lot of people were from? doing in the 1960s. Sure. And you know, it's a lot of. It's, you're, you're kind of seeing it these days a lot. You got a lot of people coming from the 1950s, very prim and proper and uh, button up kind mm -hmm. of a thing. Then you get into the 60s and 70s and everything just is not that. No. It is. Culture a, exploded. Yeah. A complete 180 to what America was. Mm -hmm. And there was a huge backlash. Yes. To, to a lot of it, because these these old fucks were still around, and they reject. I mean, they rejected a lot of what their kids were doing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if he had survived, he probably would have. You know, questioned a lot of what he was doing. But we're, we're going off topic here. So. So yes, his dad dies. Yeah. He moves. To, he meets his wife. Who they was give, from Iowa. Yep, she was from Iowa. So yeah. they moved to Iowa, and she convinces him at the ramp old age of thirty six. 
to buy a farm and become a farmer. Betsy, that's how old we are. <laughs> right. Who does that? Yeah, who does that at 36 with a, how old is this kid? Like three or four? Oh, she's older than that. She's okay. probably like five or six. Okay. Yeah, how do you, I mean, so he said he never forgave his father for getting old. Mm-hmm. He's already kind of old the way it is. So I think him, which I guess, didn't his dad kind of have, have him when he was about that age? I think so, yeah. He basically yeah. says his dad was already old before he was born. Right. So they didn't have a lot in common. Mm -hmm. And it just made it harder. He never saw him when he was a younger man. Nope. Yeah. He was not young. Yeah, he only, and that's kind of like me. My, my my folks were 37, 38. By the time you were aware when of I your was parents, born, yeah. Right, they were already, you know, get, you know, getting to be middle-aged. Mhm. You know? Yep. So, I mean, I I can relate to something like this. I mean, thankfully I have a a good relationship with my folks, but you know what? They are older. Yes. You know, it it, it is what it is. So, but yeah, the whole idea of you're 36 and you buy a farm yeah. in the late 80s. Why are you getting into that business, dude? I don't know. I don't think it really matters. It's a, for, it's a plot point. Sure, it's a plot point to set up the fact that he has a farm and has land to make a field, to make a ball field And on. maybe it's just the thing where he doesn't know what he wants to do because he kind of yeah. just you know, was rebelling against his dad and went to California and they never actually say like what he did for a living before they moved to well, Iowa. That was my, that was my big question. I was going to ask you, like, I don't think they said no. what he did between he was 36 and has a family and when he got out of Berkeley. Yeah. Yeah. So we find him in the middle of his life in a field and he hears a voice. Oh God, this voice is annoying. So yeah, it's, you were very, very close. I think it's that thing where it's yeah. like, Luke, I am your father, right. where people think it's they, uh -huh. but it's, if you build it, he will come. Yeah. And only he hears it. Right. And he like, he's out in his cornfield, I guess, looking at his crops or for whatever reason at night. I put this about June based yeah. on the way the, the, the uh -huh. corn is June or July. Yeah. Betsy knows. Betsy grew up on a I've farm. seen corn enough in my life. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It wasn't tasseled. That means it's earlier summer. Yeah. So he hears this and he goes to his wife and says, I'm hearing stuff. Yeah. And she, I like that she, her reaction is kind of nonplus. She's like, a voice? What did it say? Build what? Who will come? Yeah. What? <laughs> Build what for who? Yeah. And she just kind of goes along with it and... He doesn't really know what it means. So he kind of brushes it off. But I love that the next morning his daughter's watching Harvey, which yeah. is another movie you haven't seen. Uh -huh. But of course, this this section of the movie, there's a couple of like notes scattered in about other things that are crazy. But everybody in the movie Harvey thinks Jimmy Stewart is crazy because he sees a rabbit and none of them can. Yep. So that's the tie into this is he hears a voice nobody else hears. Yep. And it's telling him to do things. Yeah. Most people think that's insane. It is insane. Uh, and then he goes to, you know, the farm store. Yeah. And he's asking the guy, I've heard he's, farmers sometimes yeah. hear things in the field. He's talking to, to, to one of the good old, good old boy uh, farmers mm -hmm. who's been doing it for probably 40 years. Forever. Yeah. 
I've heard that uh, sometimes when you're out in the field, you, you you start to hear voices. That ever happened to you? No? Voices? Just... Who's hearing voices? Ray, it's, he's hearing voices. No, I'm not hearing voices. I heard noises. <laughs> and did you hear the song that was playing? No. It was crazy by Patsy Cline. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little touch. Okay, so before we get in t- into more here, the soundtrack was amazing. Like the eerie sort of mood music. It's not only that, but like even the licensed songs oh, yeah. of them like driving around in their fucking It's bus. 60s music. It's 60s music. Yeah. 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 Heading down the highway looking for adventure. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So he he goes off and gets his some, some supplies, I guess, from the Fleet and Farm store. Whatever. Far- it was a local place. <laughs> Very much a local place. And I've been in places like that. That's real. That's yes. that's one hundred percent real. You yeah, can't fake this that. is Iowa, guys. Yeah, that, you, that that's all real. Yep. So. So yeah, he goes out in the field again, and he hears the voice again, uh-huh. and this time he has a vision. So yeah. he can see on the horizon a baseball diamond. Yeah, a superimposed baseball diamond with the lights. Yep. Uh, basically in his front yard. Yes. So he sees a baseball diamond, mm-hmm. and then he has a vision of shoeless Joe Jackson. Right. And, of course, Shoeless Joe was one of the players involved in the mm-hmm. Black Sox scandal. Mm-hmm. And he and the other seven players were all suspended from baseball for life. Yeah. They were not allowed to play professional baseball ever again. As they should have. Yes. And the the story goes that they all threw the game, so they all played poorly. But, of course, right. Shoeless Joe... Was involved, but not involved. Yeah, they said that he took the money, but he still played well. Yeah, so he basically did not throw the game. He took their money and he played like he always played. I don't know how much of this is accurate. I'd have to look into this. Who if cares? That's it's the, for the movie. <laughs> right, if that's the interpretation of how it went down. But I've heard this before. So there's a movie from the 80s called Eight Men Out. Okay. And it's kind of the same thing where the other seven guys are the mm-hmm. ones plotting everything. And sure. Joe is sort of guilty by association. Sure. So I think there's probably something to this that he didn't actually, he was implicated but didn't actually do anything wrong. Yeah, he wasn't involved, but he was he adjacent was, to yeah, it. Yeah, he was so, by proxy. Totally. <laughs> yeah. And at that point, what? A, well, we're not going to get into defending or prosecuting <laughs> that whole thing here. <laughs> Something that happened a hundred years ago. <laughs> exactly. So, so he basically takes this information and goes to bed with it. And Betsy, I know you know me, but when I get something in my head, I don't let it go. Correct. <laughs> Once I, you've decided something yes, in your brain, you think about it until I got you do it. Total vibes from that whole scene of them in bed. It's like yep. I got to tell you something. I think this is what I got to do. I have to build what a baseball diamonds. Am I crazy? And of course, she says he's crazy. Yes, you are crazy. But, but you know you, what? Yeah. You are my husband, and I'm going to support you. Come what may. Yeah, if you, you know? feel like deep down, if you really feel like you have to do this, then okay, I guess yeah, we're doing this. Right. And he plows down his field. And, and he... the entire fucking like oh, farming yeah. neighborhood shows up in their Looky-loos. Cutlass Supremes. <laughs> 
<laughs> and watches him while he's plowing up his most profitable crop right in front of his house. Yeah. And and is just flabbergasted by what he's doing. In the middle of the season. Right. Like that corn yeah. is not ready to be, be harvested. Tr- correct, yeah. So he's just, ah, screw it. Yeah, I need to do this now. I can't wait till after harvest. I need to do it now because it's going to drive me even more crazy yep. if I wait till October. Yeah, so they do it. They... To, they dip into their life savings. They spend a lot of money. They build this beautiful baseball diamond. It's well done for it's a guy. Very good for a guy who doesn't know a damn thing about building a baseball field. <laughs> I mean, he figured out farming. He can probably figure out a baseball field. I suppose in the eighties you couldn't Google it though. So. <laughs> right. Who does there one consult? Books. Who does one consult when wants one wants to build a baseball diamond? You know, Betsy. There's a thing called a library, and there are <gasps> books that are bound. Who can help you find with these information? Books? Who can help you find the information? Librarians. There's a person for that? Yeah. Look in the card catalog, Betsy. Oh. (laughs) Fascinating stuff. Yes. So, yeah, he does it. And he says, okay, I did it. And now we wait. And nothing happens. And nothing happens because you can see that the seasons change. There's snow on the ground. Christmas comes and goes. Christmas comes and goes. And then it's not till the spring. Mm Because that's when baseball starts. Oh, the summer. Because they, the, they have a game or something on TV and they talk about the summer. He's having a rough summer. Oh, okay. Because, so yeah, there's crops out there already. Okay, and, fine. And the corn is tasseled, Trent. Yes. <laughs> so, yes, it's now the middle of summer. His little, you know, they're having financial woes because they didn't have as big a crop last year yep. and they spent all their money on a baseball diamond. And they're not going to have a good crop this year. Yes. Yeah. So they're having a tough conversation and their daughter's trying to get their attention. And she finally says, there's a man on your lawn. (laughs) (laughs) And it's Shoeless Joe Jackson, played by Ray Liotta. Uh Uh-huh, I had that right. This is probably the most subdued I've ever seen Ray Liotta in his career. Yeah, Ray Liotta plays psychopaths a lot. Yeah, this is what, two years before... Goodfellas? Goodfellas, yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, 91, I think that came out. Mm-hmm. Man. It, it's funny how they all, when he shows up in particular, he's confused, mm-hmm. but also not. He's comfortable with where he is. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to try to interpret what's happening, but he knows where he is and what he can do yeah. there. He shows up in his uniform with a mm-hmm. glove. Yeah. It's like, okay, I know what this is. Yeah. And they play a game. They, they, he... Kevin Costner comes out of the house, throws him, you know, hits him a couple of balls. Mm-hmm. The first one failing spectacularly. <laughs> I don't know if you've not done that. If you've not been a person who throw the throw the ball uh-huh. up, hit the ball, uh-huh. you're gonna be bad at that. Yeah, it's not a difficult skill, but it's not an easy skill. You know what's the, something that is a very very simple thing that I've never ever been able to do on a consistent basis. What's that? Throw up a tennis ball straight up. Just straight up in the air. I cannot toss a tennis ball straight up. I just can't. Interesting. It it goes all over the place. Again, I've mentioned this. I'm not athletically inclined. But you know what I can do? I can serve the shit out of a badminton thing. You know, a sport for the modern era. You know, that Badminton. was that was the only thing I excelled in when I was in school. When a shuttlecock. We, a shuttlecock is the only thing I've been actually good at. 
<laughs> you know, Surf. all those all those millionaire uh, uh, badminton players that you hear about on the news. All the times ESPN is showing badminton all, all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Anyway. Back anyway, to back to the movie. <laughs> So yeah, of, he he hits the ball out to him, and he's an outfielder. So Shoeless Joe catches the ball a while, and then he yeah. runs in, and then he basically gives this speech about the romance of baseball. Oh yeah, it was just dripping with the romance. I wake up with the smell in my nose, and, and, and this is af- after he got kicked out. Yeah, yeah, and I feel it in my fingers, and I feel it in my toes. <laughs> you know, talking about a piece of you that's literally gone and has been gone for a long time right, he never talks forget. about yeah it, it, he talks about it was amputated it was like something got amputated off of me like some people who lost their legs they still reach down because they have an itch down there that phantom itch yep yeah yeah and that's how he felt about being it's it's a, it's a it's a good description of it it's a good metaphor it's a good for description sure. for any time you are removed from something that you didn't want to be removed from right that especially something that you just are in you live it yeah from day to day yeah, you eat it, you sleep it, you breathe it. Yep. But yeah, this is one of a few speeches in this movie where it's just uh, like, yeah. baseball, baseball. Yeah. Remember how you love baseball? Did Ken Burns direct this? <laughs> he did a documentary about yeah. baseball. Yeah, yeah. I haven't he watched loves baseball. It. I haven't watched it. Nor have I. I'd be willing to bet it's like that this That entire on thing is just this. Yeah, exactly. To, to the nth degree. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he he kind of hangs out for a little bit and then says, you know, there was there were eight of us. Can I bring some friends? Right. So basically implying he's going to get the rest of the mm-hmm. team players that were kicked out mm-hmm. and they're going to play on the field. And they do. They show up and they're playing and it's while they're having like a family dinner. So his wife's mom is there. Her brother is there with his wife, yeah. and they're talking about how you need to sell me the farm because me and my partners, me and my nondescript business, yeah, I can make you a deal on we this farm. We work at the bank. Yeah. You know, the bank in Iowa, the yes. bank of Iowa. Me and my partners, we will buy this farm. We were going to get you a deal so that you won't lose the farm. You won't lose the farm. Yeah. And they say, oh, excuse me, the game's on. I got to go watch the game. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's the daughter who comes in and says, yeah, the game's on. Yeah. And he thinks that he's going to go off and watch TV. Yeah. Yeah. But when he finds him outside, her brother and the rest of the family can't see the baseball players. Mm-hmm. Because in this type of movie, you have to believe, Trent. What? You have to believe. If you are not a believer, you will not see it. Which is why so many people are like, what are you talking about? That's You're right. crazy. Uh-huh. Also like the movie Harvey, but that's okay. We'll get to that one eventually. <laughs> also, angels in the outfield. You can't yeah. see the angels if you nope. don't believe. Yeah, and it's not until you believe another another, another love letter. Fantastic, fantastic movie about baseball. Right, that's the thing. Damn, damn baseball movies. <laughs> just, there were a lot of them in the early you. nineties. They just Holy get you. shit! Now yeah. that I'm sitting here thinking about it. Oh yeah. Early, late eighties, early nineties. There were a ton of baseball movies. I, I imagine this probably inspired a lot of people. Probably yeah. people our age became baseball players. Oh yeah. Because of these oh, movies. Yeah. So, yeah, they have some fun, they leave, and the voice is back. So this time, the voice says, ease his pain. Ease his pain, which is, again, very vague. We don't know what this means. 
and they have to go to a PTA meeting where he figures it yeah. out. They, he says, yeah, the voice is back. Well, what? And she says, well, what the hell does a voice want this time? Right. Ease his pain. Ease what pain? Ease whose pain? What the hell? We're late for the PTA meeting. We got to go. This voice is starting to piss me off. Yeah. Yeah. Which I can understand because I would be as upset as she is and he is. Mm -hmm. It's like this vague fucking voice. Like I was right the first time. So I'm probably right about this. Right. But what the fuck? What do you want from me? What do you mean? Ease his pain. Ease who's Yeah, exactly. So they go to the PTA meeting, which is, I think, the best scene in the entire movie. (laughs) You, cause, cause you remember she was from the sixties. Both of them. But particularly his wife. Sure. Like she was very much the flower child of, of the group, mm-hmm. but she's from Iowa. So she knows these people and like me, doesn't really identify with a lot of the, the, uh, Oh, let's say the politics. Right. <laughs> the beliefs and politics yeah, of the people that you grew up around. They're because having a meeting about banning books. Right. Banning books because yeah. they're smutty and pornogra- pornographic and 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 full of curse words. And they, they rot your mind. Yeah. Like that's what they all believe is in these books. Right. And it's the same shit that is happening now. Yeah. Like people get on fucking Facebook groups and find out, oh, this thing happened over here. Well, I need to implement that over here. So I'm going to go to my, my town hall meeting and, and be, be a crazy person. Yeah. Oh. But we get some satisfaction in this one. Oh, it's because great. Because his wife calls the woman a Nazi cow. Nazi cow. <laughs> and basically starts screaming about the Bill of Rights and freedom in America. Yeah. She starts spouting some truth mm-hmm. uh, to the to all the people in there. They like, everybody raises their hand. It's like, and she comes out just smug and satisfied. Yeah, as you should. Just like the sixties. It's just like the sixties. We 60s. did it again, bringing the sixties back. Punching the air. She gets jacked. Oh on yeah. That. She's got huge Holly Hunter energy. Yeah, I've not actually seen this woman in I think anything else, or maybe one other thing. It's yeah. Amy Madigan is the actress's name. I've never heard of her. Yeah. It's weird. This is the one thing I know her from, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of actresses that have this vibe. Sure. And yeah, I, I get the Holly Hunter thing. 100%. So well, one of the people they bring up in the PTA meeting is Terrence Mann. Yeah, he's one of the authors who wrote one of the books that they're trying to ban. Yeah, and he was basically ultra-liberal, make a, a change. He's a 60s a- activist. But a pacifist. Right. Yeah, so he was a big voice in the 60s. Yeah, he anti-war. won a Pulitzer Prize. yep. yep. Ray gets it in his head. That's whose pain he has to ease. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't know why. So he, again, it's that going to the library and going on a hunt and mm-hmm. looking through the microfiche. Yeah. <laughs> and he figures out that he... Well, well they, he, they, they said they, they don't know what, what is what the connection of baseball. Yeah, what does this have to do with baseball? And so he finds a bunch of connections where he grew up and he said that he wanted to play baseball at Dodger Stadium. and uh, At he, the place where the Brooklyn Dodgers played. Yeah, in, the, yeah. in Brooklyn. And he wanted to play in that field, and he never got to. And it right. broke his heart when they tore the building down and they yeah. moved to Los Angeles. Right. So he also wrote a short story that about baseball that yeah. features a character with Ray's dad's name. Yeah. So it's his full name. I'm right. blanking on his last name at the moment. Yeah. But John, whatever his whatever. name is. 
Uh, so it's just these weird coincidences. Mm-hmm. And he is convinced that he has to go to Boston and take this man to a baseball game because he hasn't been to a baseball game in like 40 years. Right. And of course, this is the connection now infecting her because they both had a fucking dream yes. that they went to Fenway Park. They were in this section of the park. Mm-hmm. She, Eating a hot she even dog. says, she even says, is Fenway the one with the big green thing in, the, in, the in left wall. field? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So she's all, you can't go. We have bills and we're mm-hmm. going to lose the farm and everything. But then he says something that triggers that question. Yep. And they realize, yes, they both had the same dream. Yep. And she says, I'll help you. Back. I was like, all right, fine. Oh, we'll make it work. Yeah. So he goes. He goes to Boston. Drives to Boston. He drives in his VW bug. Uh, uh, or VW, VW bus, bus. Excuse bus. me. The fucking hippie bus. Yes. With the McGovern bumper sticker on the back. Yes. And a, <laughs> and a peace sticker in the front. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I love. You loved the McGovern bumper. <laughs> yeah. If that gives you an idea of how old this this vehicle is. Yeah. And he just kind of goes around and somehow is able to find where he lives. He finds Terrence Mann. Yeah, he goes into whatever this this Jewish uh, fish market is, yep. I guess. Yep, he lives in a little apartment upstairs and we find out he's been like pro- computer programming yeah, he children's re- He retired stuff. from his activism. He I doesn't mean, write anymore. It's decades later. He hasn't written in almost 20 years. Yep, he, he doesn't write anymore. He makes his living by by writing software and writing th- educational things for kids. Yep. You know? Yep. And he shows up to the door to a crotchety old man. Yeah. I love this scene because James <laughs> Earl Jones is just like, are you stupid? What is wrong with you? Yeah. And, and we glean from his his uh, crotchetiness that a lot of people from the 60s that grew up writing or reading his stuff have come to call on him they've made a crusade right yeah like, i want to come and talk to you saying why aren't you doing this anymore we're losing the battle man what why aren't you in this anymore in this fight you tell me the answers tell me the secrets how do i how do i be uh-huh. like you uh-huh. and he's fed the hell up with it yeah and later we we hear him talk about, you know what, I, I'm done with all the misery that came with the, the movement. They killed Dr. King. They killed Bobby. Yep. They killed the entire movement, literally. And he couldn't do it anymore. I can't do this anymore. I'm done. Yeah. And he walked away. Yeah. And I think a lot of people probably did that. Totally. Yep. Uh, it was about this point in the movie where I realized there's two people in this movie from The Sandlot. Uh, obviously, James Earl Jones mm-hmm. appears at the very end, uh-huh. but also one of the other players uh, that he brings back from the group of eight White Sox players okay. is the guy who plays Babe Ruth. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So there you go. Fun little nugget. All right. Little baseball. Okay. Baseball movie trivia. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, he basically is berating this man, yeah. and somehow or another convinces him. I, need, I just want to take you to Fenway Park. I just want to take you to a baseball game. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but this please is just what, come Please with just me. come with me. And he's like, you're just not going to leave me alone until I go. Like, okay. So he goes. Go. And in the car, he explains to him apparently yeah, everything Yeah, he tells him everything doing. about the visions and, or not, yeah, the visions and, and the voice and the Shoeless Joe and everything. And why he's here and yep. what he's trying to do. And at the game, on the big scoreboard 
he has a vision, a flash of yeah. a name. Yeah. It says Archibald Moonlight Graham. Yep. And basically... His, Chisholm, Minnesota. Chisholm, Minnesota. And some stats. Basically, he played one game. Yeah, one inning of one game. In the majors. Yeah. So, of course, he hears another voice yeah. that says, Go, Go the, the distance. distance. And he sees this on the board. And he's just like, what? Did you Did you see that? See what? Well, yeah. we can go. I guess you didn't need to be here anymore. Yeah. You didn't need I to I guess be you here. didn't even need to come at all. I just needed to come to the game and blah, blah, yep. blah. Yep. So he says we can leave. So they leave. And he's just about to drive away. And Terrence Mann looks at him and says, who's Moonlight Graham? Yeah. Because he did see it. And he doesn't understand it, which is why he didn't want to say anything. Like he got super curious. Yeah, curiosity is a, a powerful thing, Yeah, especially something like that. When you've just spent an afternoon with a man who has, you know, you're, you're thinking is certifiable. Yeah. And then you seem to have a shared vision with him. Right. And you don't know what And the other guy about. is saying the words that he just said. Yeah, he says, go the distance. Yeah. So he knows he saw it and he mm -hmm. knows he heard it. Yep. And then he says... I guess we're going to Minnesota. <laughs> and the two of them go on a road trip. Yeah. They just leave without telling anyone. Yeah. Which we find out later he didn't even tell his family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which, of course, means he's missing and he's in the right. papers listed as missing. Right. Because he doesn't pick up his phone. <laughs> like, oh, I don't know how to explain this. Okay. I, um, I want to have a thought about this. All right. And that just occurred to me. So, obviously, I'm going to jump ahead for a minute. At the end of the movie, he goes into the cornfield. Yeah. Do you think it's possible that he's been dead in his apartment, and that's why he's missing and he's not picking up the phone? Oh, God. Because the rest of this movie, there's a lot of improbable things that happen. He's a recluse. He is a loner. Nobody knows exactly where he lives. He just wants to be left alone. We don't see him actually call his son. Or his dad. His dad? He's calling his dad, yeah. Yeah, it says in the paper, like, his dad. But the reason I bring this up is, at the end of the movie, he's the one that goes into the field. Right. Do you think, from the point that he picks him up in Boston to the end of the movie, he's been dead the whole time? Did Kevin Costner kill James Earl Jones? I don't think he killed him, but <laughs> I think there is a there is room for interpretation here. And this is the first time I've watched this movie and had this thought. But I did always think at the end of the movie, he must be dying yeah. if he's going into the field because all the rest of them are dead. Sure. He's not coming back. Right. That's always been my assumption about that. But I'm extrapolating on that. Do you think he's dead the whole time? He must be because he just disappears. It's a yeah, thought. Like, like the timeline of like when he's dead and when he's not, I don't really know. And but... the only time we actually see James Earl Jones, quote, talk to somebody is when he orders a hot dog. Yeah. So maybe he's not maybe dead. Maybe he just but did that maybe... for the joke. Maybe he actually died on the way. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. But I'm just going to play that game. Like for just, just to poke the bear a little bit. Also, these are dead people just playing baseball. It's we, that... can, we can just yeah. let it go. Right. So it's just that thing where it's like, maybe he's been dead the whole time. I'm just saying. I don't know. Yeah. Thought I'd share that thought. It is an interesting thought. Um, but again, I think it's just, you know, let's just let, let's just let it 
lie the way it is. All right, fine. Yeah. But yeah, they go to Minnesota and they're Fake looking. Town. They're looking. Fake yeah, town. So Chisholm, Minnesota. Not a thing. Not a thing. Uh, I have to imagine they maybe could have filmed it somewhere in Minnesota. So they didn't. Uh, I actually, when I got this disc, I, I always go through the. The, the special uh, features. The special features. And I saw a thing entitled something to the effect of creating a town, Chisholm, Minnesota. And they, they go over how they made this particular town. They have the fucking banner up saying, hey, Centennials to Chisholm, Minnesota, yeah. and blah, blah, blah. No, this is a place in Illinois. Okay. Which is not too far from where no, Iowa City is. No, they're right on the border of yeah. Iowa and Illinois, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is some small town in Illinois. You could find 50 little towns like this. That look identical. Yeah. Totally. I, this looked like 25 towns I've been to in this state. 100%. So, yeah, they go, and they are asking around. Mm-hmm. We're looking for Archibald Graham. And they go to the paper. And they go to the paper, because mm-hmm. nobody knows who that is. Mm-hmm. And they find out, oh, that's Doc Graham, who died Almost 20 years ago. Right. He died in 72. Yep. So they're just kind of left stumped. Like, this was this sweet town doctor. Yeah, they they, they hear about all the all the good things that he did. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, his baseball career didn't really take off and blah, blah, blah. So he came back here and went back to school and became yep. a doctor. His dad was a doctor. He took it, went into the family business. Yep. He would, you know, give kids tickets to base the baseball game. He paid for glasses and yeah. milk and things for for poor kids. He and... was the the quintessential town doctor, right? And they describe him as just basically this wonderful man. Yeah. And James Earl Jones goes around and asks all the old timers in the bar. That was great. Tell me about him. Oh man. Talk about it. And they the just... best thing in the world that you could do is just go up to one of these guys in real life mm-hmm. and just start talking to him because you will hear the best stories. I should do that before too long because, you know, there's not a lot of people left who know people who knew our grandparents, you know, yeah. but they exist. Totally. So if you want to know about your grandparents, you go talk to the people who knew them. Yeah. And the more time that passes, the harder that becomes. Mm-hmm. But I would be fascinated. Yeah. And yeah, we get like a nice story about how his wife loved the color blue. Always wore blue. Always wore blue. And the stores would buy items in blue, hats that were blue, yep. because they knew that if he walked by and saw it, he would buy one for his wife. Yep. And when he passed away, there were about 20 hats in his office that he just hadn't given given her yet. Yeah. He hadn't gotten around to it. <laughs> and it's just like, that is such it's, a specific, it's very sweet. sweet character study. Yeah. <laughs> I liked that. This yeah. is a really nice character yeah. in a movie. Yeah. And again, the fact that they got Burt Lancaster. I don't know much about his career. But I know this was a big deal. Hmm. And he did really well in this. Yeah. He's a very soft-spoken, mm-hmm. charismatic gentleman. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, and then they get the scene where, you know, Kevin Costner meets up with him. Yeah, he decides to go for a walk. Yeah. And he basically travels through time. Right. He travels through time into the early 70s. 71. In Chisholm, Minnesota. Yep. Where he he looks at the at the license plate tag, say, like, "Oh, this expires in '72 or whatever it was," mm-hmm. and he sees and they're showing the Godfather, the Godfather, brand new movie, the Godfather, one of this year's best, right? And there he is, walking in down the, shadows, the street with in his the umbrella, moonlight, is Moonlight Graham, yeah, 
And yeah, he just has like one scene with him. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how, you know, he loves his life and how the majors wasn't for him. He knew he was right. going to get sent like, back I down. Yeah, I wouldn't change a thing about the way my life went. You know, I, I, I did a lot of good. I, I, you know, became a doctor and, and um, healed a lot of people, helped a lot of people. Wouldn't change a thing. But Kevin Goster says, if you had a wish to do anything, what would it be? Because I might be able to help you out with that. Yeah. And he gives a speech about baseball. Yeah. Another, Another saccharine, ooh. beautiful, amazing, like, baseball's an incredible thing yeah. speech. Yeah. <laughs> but he stays. He says, you need to come with me. I can make mm-hmm. this happen. And he says, no. 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 That part's I behind me. I can't do that now. This is my town. I was born here. I've mm-hmm. lived here. And I'm going to die here. Yep. And so he leaves. And it's an honorable thing. Mm-hmm. You know? He's already, this old man has put baseball along behind him. Sure. And he can still love it. He can still appreciate yes. it. He has the the longing for it that, that a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he's a, he is, like you said, of an age that yeah, I, I can't get out there and hold a baseball. What are you thinking? Mm-hmm. Um, so he leaves. So Kevin Costner and uh, James Earl Jones are saying, they're going to be saying their goodbyes, but then he... Uh, Gets a call from his wife, saying, "Oh, I had to, I had to give give up the farm. They're gonna to, foreclose. They're gonna foreclose. I'm sorry. There's nothing I could do." So yeah, and, they say, uh, "Well, I got to take him back to Boston first. No, nope, but I'm James coming Earl with Jones says, says, "Nope, I'm coming to Iowa. Another road trip, <laughs> which isn't that far from Minnesota. No, no. make up even if Chisholm town. is in the middle of nowhere, Minnesota. I I kind of can tell where it's." Kind of. It's probably in like South Central Minnesota. I was going to say, it looks like like every town in South Central Minnesota. Yeah, it's like four hours away. It's fine. You can do that in an afternoon. And along the way, they pick up a hitchhiker. Yep. And it's a young man by the name of Archibald Graham. Archie. Archie Graham. (laughs) So it is the old doctor as a young man. Yep. Hitchhiking on the side of the road. I play baseball. Golly gee, mister. Yeah. I'm going to go to a town and I hear some places will give you a job so you mm-hmm. can work during the day and play baseball at night. Yeah. Wide-eyed, grinning, uh-huh. little boy. Which, Betsy, you told me that this actor... I had to point this out to you, yes. Uh, I wouldn't have I would have never known this until you, unless you told me. Uh, he is Brett from Pulp Fiction. Yes. You know, the and guy... The opening. The guy who is uh, eating the Big Kahuna Burger... <laughs> at the very beginning of the movie uh that gets ceremoniously shot a lot wasted yeah they waste him yes yes he's been in, in a biblical lot of, fashion he's been in a lot of things in this kind of you know bit player capacity sure, but sure. that is definitely the thing you'd know him from yeah so yeah they pick up a hitchhiker they get back home and of course the players already know he's coming right oh, are you graham yeah how do they know? Yeah, go because, get warmed up. Because magic, Trent. Magic all, baseball. All magical dead people. They're all magical dead people playing baseball in Iowa. And they've brought in an entire second team. Right. Because they got tired of having practice and they want to have an actual game. Right. And then, of course, you know, Graham, Archie, does the thing he said, I want to wink at the pitcher. Yeah, right. And winks at him and he about gets nailed get by a baseball. Beam, yeah. <laughs> Twice. Uh, yeah, and 
you know, throughout this story, you know, there's a lot of like one-on-one -on -one conversations. So like when they're about to get home, uh, Terrence and Ray are having a conversation about his dad, yeah. Ray's dad, yeah. and the relationship, how it fell apart. Mm -hmm. And he basically told him something unforgivable. Yeah. And he said, I can't respect a man whose hero is a criminal. Right. Referencing Shula's joy, even though he knew it wasn't true. Right. So he said a horrible thing to him. And then he left and he died. Yep. And he never, never had got a chance, chance to, to, say, to take, take it, it back. back. Yeah. So this is basically his penance is he is trying to bring back his father's heroes. Yeah. So that's kind of where we find the story. Mm-hmm. They're about to foreclose on the farm. His brother-in-law shows up. I like this little shot. So his brother-in-law can't see the players. And yep. he walks right across the field <laughs> yep. as they're throwing a pitch. Yep. And then the batter gets all pissed off. <laughs> right. And of course, that is real. Like, you can't fake that in 1989. Right. Which means he just had to have nerves of steel while somebody's <laughs> throwing a baseball at him repeatedly. And, and a bat is... <laughs> Very close to his face. I guarantee you that man was hit by a ball while he was filming this. <laughs> At least one take. Yeah. Because it's hard not to flinch. If something's coming at you and you know it's coming at you, you will flinch. Rehearsal. Yeah. And so he walks, doot, 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 just across the field. <laughs> it's a weird touch. It's a weird little moment. Uh -huh. But it makes a difference that he just does it with gusto because he can't see these people. Yeah. And it just Yet. adds, he, yes. And it just adds to that. Yeah. And he just goes on a tangent, a speech, a rant. You're going to lose this farm. Sign this paper. You're going to lose the farm. And Karen, their little daughter says, no, don't sell the farm. People no, this is come. what's going to happen. People are going to come. They're going to give you money. They're going to yeah. watch the game. And then that's it. We're going to sell tickets. People are going to come. And then we get our third long speech about the love of baseball. Yeah. And Terrence stands up and he says, you know, people will come. They will show up at your driveway and they won't know why. Mm -hmm. And they'll feel lost and confused. And they're going to pay the money because they just don't question it. Yep. And they're going to watch the game. And they're going to be, you know euphoria and nostalgia will be so thick they have to wave it out of their faces right it's gonna wash over them all the memories yeah yeah and it's just like that one was just dripping with it well like, and he's wow. an author so of course you're gonna get sure. the big speech from him sure. but yeah he just gives this epic speech about baseball and again if you're not getting emotional by this point of the movie then you must really hate baseball. Yeah. <laughs> like you don't have to love baseball to like this movie and understand yeah. what they're talking about. Yes. And at this point, you know, his brother, he says, no, his brother-in-law loses his shit. And they basically have kind of a fight, a physical thing. Well, he says like, you're ruining the your daughter's life. And he grabs the kid. Yeah. And, and Kevin Costner just gets up and says, get your hands off my daughter and blah, blah, blah. And the kid falls. Not a very far distance. No. But she falls and is unconscious. Yes. And she's basically not breathing. And they're about to call the, the, the medic when we see Archie Graham yeah. out on the field. Yeah. And he starts running. Because, again, his dad was a doctor. He at least has some inkling, even as a young man, of what to do. Yeah. But there's a threshold. Yep. There is a white line in the dirt. That none of the players can cross. And they know that they can't leave this place. But he does it. 
And the second he does, he becomes the doctor again. Yep. So he and that's where the brother also sees this happen. Yep. Yeah. And we find out his daughter is choking on a piece of hot dog. Yep. So oh, he, you're fine. Just slap you on the back he, a couple of times. He you're gets fine. it out of her. She's okay, but he can't go back. Yeah, so once, once he again, left, he cannot go back. That's his choice. He chose to become a doctor, and he was okay with it. Yep. Yeah. And he says again, it's fine. It's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay. I can I, still like baseball without playing it. Yep. And he goes and he disappears off into the sunset. Yeah. Yeah. At which point, like you said, suddenly her brother can see the players. Yeah. It took that for him to snap out of it. Where'd all these players come from? Where You can't sell the farm. You have to keep the farm. We got a lot of work to do. Yeah. You can't sell the farm. And they all decide to hang it up for the day. We've had a pretty eventful day. They all decide to leave. But then Shoeless Joe says, Terry... Do you want to come with us? Mm-hmm. He gets invited. And this is why I think he's, he either, if he isn't already dead, he, by entering there, he was going to die and this is how he dies. Like sure. basically they just take him. Right. That's what, that's my interpretation of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want, I don't want to get too far into that because I, I just, there's no answers to that. So there's no point in, <laughs> in, in, in diving into it that much, but yeah. I, I believe that, yeah, he was at least going to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was older than these two. Yep. He's just been, you know, living a quiet life. Mm-hmm. It's not unheard of for people to die just at random in their 50s. Sure. So, anyway, he goes, and he, on his way, he says, I'll write about it. Right, he's gonna, I'm gonna write come another back book, and I'm gonna write about it, which he hasn't done. But basically, he's been inspired. Right, he's come back to well, life. And and Kevin Costner is like pissed off. He's like, indignant why, about it. Why aren't you inviting me? I did all this stuff. What I did it for you. I did it for what's you. What's in it for me? But yeah, but I, I never once asked what's in it for me. Well, what are you asking me? What's right. in it for me? Right. <laughs> but at this point, we find out what's in it for him. Yeah. Because the catcher. Is his dad. Yeah. At which point, and I'm going to tell you, this is the first time this has happened in my adult life. I was getting emotional. I was getting emotional. About the dad? This whole sequence. His uh, dad is back. He basically gets to introduce his dad to his wife and his daughter. Sure. They have some words. He never got to see him as a young man. You said right. it yourself. And yep. he, he's just like, what do I say? What do I do? Mm-hmm. And then he says, dad, do you want to have a catch? Uh-huh. And he plays catch with his dad as the sun goes down. Uh-huh. And then there's that last shot of the movie where all the cars are pulling in. Right. Which I, I think was a really, really great scene because that's all real. Yes. That's what cars did at you, night in the middle of nowhere look like. Did you watch the special features for this? Because I, I have seen some of them. I haven't, no. Yes, they really did this. Basically, they had hundreds of extras Mm -hmm. they flyered the area and said we need hundreds of cars show up in the afternoon they all had to line up by about four o'clock and they had miles of cars and they had like entertainment and food and they really only got a couple takes at this because you know you have so much time with the light it's it's dark enough but not too dark and so the first cars are actually moving but what they found was 
you couldn't tell the difference that far away. Plus, there was nowhere for the cars to go. Yeah. So all the cars are just flashing their lights. But because there's so many of them and they're mm-hmm. so far away, it gives the illusion that they're moving. Okay. It's a weird little movie trick. All right. But they genuinely had a whole afternoon of fun and games. And then they said, we're going to film this scene. <laughs> And that line that goes all uh-huh. the way the fuck out there, uh-huh. like literally miles, yeah. that is real. That's they what just it looks got like. Extra people in their cars, their own vehicles, mm-hmm. to sit and film a movie for. An that was a cool. That was a cool ending to that. But yeah, this movie is a nice movie. Yeah, it's a sweet movie. Right, and it I don't... doesn't have to make sense. No, and <laughs> and I don't really get down with movies that are like super saccharine and like I'm trying to get you to cry and try to get the the emotional reaction out of you. If you're gonna do it, you're gonna do it. Yeah. And it didn't really do it for me this time. Okay. I'm not that romantic about baseball. I never have been. I like baseball. It's fine, but you know the whole. Can I play catch with you, Dad? Is is gonna make a lot of like fathers choke yes. up. Yes. Why do you think a lot of dads like? Yeah. This? Oh, you know my dad yeah. likes this one. The, I'm sure your dad likes this movie. It, you know, it's it's the joke about you know there is like a handful of movies that it's okay for for guys to cry at. Rudy, and uh, the end of Old Yeller, or <laughs> all like those kinds of movies. Yes, and Field of Dreams. And Field of Dreams. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> So any other thoughts about this one? I'm glad you liked it. I did like it. I hate when a movie like this goes on for so long. It exists for so long. And by the time you get to it, it's Mm -hmm. like, eh. It's like, oh, that's it? (laughs) Yeah, that's it. That sucked. Yeah, when it's underwhelming. So I'm always, uh, I appreciate when you at least like it. Yeah. You know, I I, I, I mentioned the scenes that I liked. I liked the the PTA meeting. I liked the, um, the bus the, the VW hippie the the, the hippie bus. The music was great. Um, going to Fenway was cool. So I am I am a fan of teams that are like small market teams. Mm-hmm. I don't follow a lot of sports, but the ones that I root for always come from small markets. Yeah, and the ones that go have, Browns, <laughs> go Brown. Well, hey, go Packers, First go Browns, Packers. go uh, Buffalo. Yeah, when it comes for the, to the NFL, small market teams are my bread and butter. And that translates to every sport out there. So a team like the like the Red Sox has that kind of feel to it, I think. They've been Fenway, that for a long time anyway. Yeah, Fenway is like a working class kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. The Red Sox in Boston, there's a lot of like blue collar people who live in Boston. It isn't just a bunch of up you know, uppity city people. Right. It's it's really not. So Boston has that kind of feel to it. New York will never have that. L.A. will never have that. You know, it's all these smaller cities, smaller towns. Yeah. Why do you think everyone hates the Yankees? They've been yeah. they've been buying wins forever. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That is a city team. Which you know, speaking of another a baseball movie, Moneyball is another great movie, mm-hmm. and it's about the Oakland A's and like has the smallest salary that you could pay players out of every other team in the league, and. At by the end of the movie, they won more games with less money than the New York Yankees did. Yeah. And the Yankees had to pay X amount of million dollars, and you only did it for this much. And that's why I want to hire you to be the... <laughs> to be the... Come G- to Red Sox. Yeah, to be the manager of the Red Sox. 
Yeah. So yeah. we could watch uh, so many baseball movies. I, I love so many. I love Moneyball. I like baseball movies in general. Um, well, another one that Kevin Costner did was Bull Durham, and yeah. I've seen it once, I think, mm-hmm. and I do not remember it. <laughs> I've never seen that. Yep. We'll get to it one then, day. Then we'll watch Tin Cup. There you go. <laughs> Uh, I, I think I've seen Tin Cup. Golf movie. I think I've seen Tin Cup. There's a lot of golf movies. There's not as many as you think, but until you start thinking about it and go, oh, I can actually name quite a yep, few. Yep, yep, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> what uh, was the thing I said about Bagger Vans a few months oh, ago? Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. Oh, oh, yeah. That's a golf movie. Yeah. Barely. Barely. But there we have it. That's yeah. Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams. Uh, I'll say it again. I, I like Kevin Costner. I'm not a huge fan, but the, the the kinds of movies that he does in this vein are just, they don't go over the line for me. Okay. And go, go into like the saccharine uh, kind of like trying to elicit emotions that maybe shouldn't be there. Like, they're trying, but they're not trying. Right. Like, like if you get there, then they've done their job. <laughs> yeah. You have the one moment of him and his dad, and that's enough. Yeah. That's okay. That's how you end the movie. You earn that. Mm-hmm. But the rest, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. With, I, I like this movie. I, I really do. Um, but yeah, feel the dreams, Betsy. There we go. So, that's the end of this one. And it is very much a different tone from where we just came from, movie-wise, episode-wise. This is different than Showgirls? Showgirls and Basic Instinct and Fifty Shades and Wild Things. Oh, boy. And uh, we want to just touch on this one time here before we leave. Uh, We got a couple of emails from Stephanie that I want to cover all at the same time here because it's all—it's about all four movies. It's a thread. <laughs> yes. So let's start with Wild Things. She sent this one and then she sent another one about all three of them, okay. about the rest of them. So we're going to cover Wild Things first. I have not seen this one, nor do I want to. I have watched a good chunk of what they would call what they would consider trash movies. Not sure if this is my favorite, but another one I have seen is Tremors, another Kevo Bako classic. <laughs> uh, if you are looking for some sexier trash, there is Swim Fan or Cruel Intentions. We talked about Swim Fan. Yep. And I've seen it. And we've, I've not seen Swim Fan, but yeah. we've seen Cruel Intentions. We both have seen Cruel Intentions. And I really like Cruel Intentions. Yeah. Swim Fan, not so much. Okay. And I talked about that during one of those episodes. Uh, to the next one, entitled Smut Series. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to watch Basic Instinct now. Great episode, guys. You should. Yeah. It's You awesome. really should. And I don't think us, like, talking about it ruins the movie whatsoever. I think the, 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 the. The tenseness of it, the the mystery of it. Yeah. You're not gonna get spoiled. No, we can't we can't describe the movie no. to do it justice. It's all the acting. Like the acting is what's and great about it. The music that. and the, the mood. way it's edited. Yeah. yeah. How everything is shot. Yeah. Solid, so, solid movie. So great. Uh, she continues. I think I watched Fifty Shades, but not very much stuck with me. You know, the fact that you don't even remember if you watch something uh-huh. is always a giveaway that it's probably not very good. Yeah. I've had a few of those. Uh-huh. 
I I put on movies or like I saw we were in a hotel or something and put something on the TV, threw on HBO. It's like, oh, shit, I think I have seen this. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen this. Wait, no, I have. Right. Something triggers your memory. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, she says, I will never watch Showgirls, so thanks for explaining it to me so I don't have to. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm okay with that. Yeah. I kind of wish I hadn't, but, you know, here we are on hey, the other side. we had to do it eventually, Betsy. We were going to do it. He, because you were like, if I had to see it, then you have to see it. It's yep. like, uh, it's like, you know, chain letters. <laughs> I have to get three people to watch this movie or I'm cursed forever. Right. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that that's a movie I never want to see again. <laughs> I'm quite okay with that. Yeah. We'll find some other smut to watch. Well, maybe she we'll, she'll make a suggestion here. Uh, Magic Mike was not very good. True. <laughs> uh, it was like two different movies. <laughs> One where there are stripping and everything is fun. Yes. And another where Channing Tatum is moping around. Yes. <laughs> XXL got rid of the moping and kept the fun. They, you know, the, they, they probably just listened to the audience. It's like, I didn't want this fucking, like, h- hardcore kind of a, a... I don't care if the stripper has feelings. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's a good, that's a good line. <laughs> that's genuinely the entire sequel. It's yeah. like, okay, we hear you and we understand. You know, I, I feel like th- those movies are just an excuse for women to be the chauvinistic ones. <laughs> Fact. Yeah. Fact. Uh, we, you know, people forget because everybody thinks that women have to be this, you know, the the softer sex, yeah, the fairer prim and sex, proper. prim and proper. No, I know some raunchy women oh, yeah. who would love to grind up on some strippers. Hey, guess, <laughs> hey, guess what, guys? Women get horny, too. <laughs> <laughs> dollar dollar bills yo <laughs> yeah so i i get it i get it i'm gonna put a pin in this one magic Mike xxl it's you're just gonna future. skip the first one i'm just gonna skip the first one. Oh fuck or, that or we'll just fast forward through the the boring parts you mean the stripping no that's the good stuff <laughs> <laughs> all right all right let's finish this up betsy she said, uh, got rid of the moping and kept the fun. I think Trent would appreciate the humor. All right. Same. All right. You I'm same. with you. Uh, I know Betsy appreciates it because we watched it together. We did. Whoops. We went to the theater for both of those movies. Oh, boy. It was delightful. <laughs> I, I was not invited. Uh, I yeah, don't we think were, I wanted to go. Yeah, we were together when that came out. But yeah, no, we were. didn't need to be there for that. No. That was ladies' night. No. <laughs> no. I don't think I would have even wanted to go to it, even if I thought it was going to be great, because I don't really need to. I, I have a big thing about people making noise in movie theaters. <laughs> there was some noise. Yeah, there was a lot I of hooting and hollering. I don't like it. I don't care what it is. Just no. So what you're saying is I should never take you to something like Rocky Horror, where that's literally part of the show. That's different. <laughs> that's different. That's different. If you now, know the intention is to My yell. dream is to be in a theater with nobody else in there. We're going to get there. We've never had it happen, though. We've How been many close. movies have we been to? We've been close. Yeah. I think we've been like one of five or something. Yeah, there was, I think there was one time where like the preview started, the trailer started, and we were the only people in there. And then this fucking guy 
comes strolling in How there by himself. Dare you? How dare you ruin my dream? <laughs> yeah, I've never been the only person, but I've been one of two. Okay. Yeah. That mm. one day, Trent. One day. One day it'll happen, but we never go to see movies like during the day. That's about the only th- only time we can do that. You got to do it either really early or better yet, really late. If you do like a nine o'clock movie that's been out forever on the last night sure, it's showing, sure. that's how you raise the odds that you will end up being the only people there. I suppose. So it's just a numbers game. We'll figure it out. One day. One day we'll get there. But. That's going to be the end of the show. Uh, if you want to reach out and talk about baseball movies, football movies, hockey movies. Or slutty, smutty movies. <laughs> or badminton. <laughs> or badminton. Email us at neverseenitpod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, neverseenit underscore pod. We just couldn't get that. We can't get the the, the same names everywhere, Betsy. Eh. I tried. Eh. It's all gone. Eh. Eh, whatever. Anyway, if you want to support the show, throw us some money so that we can go out and buy some popcorn, buy a hot dog. So we don't don't have to become strippers and have you throw money at us that way. You can do that too. (laughs) I'll take money however you want to give it to me. I'll wear a G-string, whatever. (laughs) No, you won't. (laughs) No, I won't. Uh, You can click the link in the podcast description so that you don't have to see that. And throw us some money that way. Uh, But yeah, that's the end of the show, Betsy. We will be back next time with another episode of Never Seen It. Yay! Bye-bye.